This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE Intellinews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE Intellinews. Hello and welcome to the second part of a two-part interview with Vladimir Tikhomirov, who is the chief economist at BCS Global Markets. President Putin on March 4th gave a State of the Nation speech where he hinted at policies for the next six years, his final term in office. While he was very circumspect about the details, particularly on how he intended to pay for what looks like a generous government program into social spending and health care. Um, however, he did give some hints. I sit down with Vladimir and we discuss, first of all, dividends in the state-owned companies and how that is changing as part of the government's drive to introduce some more efficiency into the economy. And then we move on for a long discussion on incomes. This is going to be key. Some nasty surprises are probably ahead for the Russian population, as it seems clear now, the state is intending to increase taxes and to demand more productivity in order to boost incomes. Then we can look at the whole debate over the, um, the dividend payments in so much as the government order, or the Minfin ordered uh, 50% of profits as dividends, and of course, Gazprom, Rosnet, etc have not done that and managed and, and now Minfin has actually admitted that last year that the big companies are going to be special case by case but then that means they're in this sort of dual existence whereas on the one hand they have this government geopolitical strategic role and on the other hand they do have shareholders and they do want to be private companies efficient and it's seen in the dividends in so much as they started to pay significant dividends. I mean, they do pay 25% now, which is relatively new. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's dividend story is definitely one very closely monitored by investors. From dividend perspective, Russia is a fairly outstanding market uh, worldwide. It has never been in the past, but over the last few years it has become. Sort of average dividend yield in Russia is, 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 is quite significant, which has attracted capital. Uh, to Russia, uh, you know, given the low interest rate environment we are in, but uh, in certain cases, like you know, Gazprom, and that's one of cases very closely monitored by the market. Uh, there's there's definitely a clash between the political role the company plays and the corporate role the company perhaps uh, would like to play. A lot of money that the Gazprom could otherwise put into dividends um, is being put into funding of this new pipeline projects. But the pipeline projects are supposed to be completed by the end of next year. So that means that we have another two years where, you know, dividend policy of company like Gazprom is likely to be not uh, very exciting. But then following uh, the completion of these projects, uh, I believe there are chances that it's going to, to improve. 
similar stories with Transneft and few other companies, but but generally a lot of even state-owned companies uh, have started to pay significant dividends uh, over the past few years. Not least due to the pressures coming from finance ministry, which wants to make Russia's budget less dependent on pure oil and gas revenues, not least due to the general drive from the government where they want to create more efficiency in the state-owned companies. And one of the ways to, to, to create more efficiency is actually to insist on higher dividend payouts. You know, the international uh, moving to international uh, Uh, reporting standards in another way, uh, you know, more transparency, but definitely dividends is, is one of, 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 mm. of, of, of good examples here. The good thing is actually that Putin seems to share this view. He has these exceptions for the political reasons, like pipelines for Gazprom, etc. But then, generally, he seems to be supportive of the need to increase the dividend payouts by state companies. Last question. Um, Putin promised a lot. The whole first half of the speech was, we're going back to providing prosperity that you enjoyed until 2008-2012. Um, how realistic is that? I mean, the, if you look at incomes, they tumbled, particularly following the valuation of the ruble. However, the bounce back has been really quite significant. And I think we went from $900 to $400, and now it's back at $700 as average income in dollar terms. But um, how, how realistic do you think that Russia is going to continue this, this catch-up? Uh, the prosperity is going to come back. If we look at the history, when incomes were growing, and they were growing during a specific period of time, it was the big driver behind that was actually the, the government plan to increase salaries and pensions in the public sector. It was announced, it was part of the big program, it was spanned through five, six years, and it started in year 2005. You might remember in 2005 there was so-called monetization of social uh, payouts from the budget. Uh, that de facto led to cut off of many people from uh, social benefits they enjoyed. Some others got some uh, hikes in their pensions or social payouts, monetized social payouts. But then another part of that story was the government promised to increase wages. And the wages were increased through the year 2005 uh, to year 2010 or so. Uh, Despite of the fact that 2008-2009 were rather difficult years for Russia uh, due to the fall in oil prices and the global financial crisis, uh, and it so happened that in December 2008, right in the middle of the crisis, Russian pensioners got the largest increase in their pensions. It was pre-planned, a 40% increase, and that helped actually to boost real incomes to, to the level where they kept on growing mm -hmm. despite of a significant fall in the ruble rate, significant fall in oil prices, etc. In the real terms, incomes were growing. It was part of the government strategy. The reason, and in return, the government was not demanding anything. They were just increasing salaries for, for people employed in the public sector by 30, 40%, one-off, etc. Uh, the reason here was that they decided that the, the starting wage 
back 15 years ago was so low that it was hard to demand any efficiency from any employee in the public sector unless you start paying larger salaries. Uh, and again, the second part of that was that the gap, income gap in, in Russia between those employed in private sector and the public sector was becoming so huge that it would eventually transform into social instability leading to political instability. Mm. There, were, uh, there were signs of sort of significant built-up of unrest, particularly in, in, in depressed areas. We are still not out of that. For instance, one of still depressed areas in Russia is Caucasus. So, and all the statistics, even official statistics show that the average whatever salary or income uh, per capita in like in Gushetia, for instance, is like uh, 80, 20, uh, 80 to 100 times l lower than in Moscow. Mm. That's within one country. And it's very hard for any country to survive having these huge, this huge gaps. Yeah. Of course, it creates a lot of instability, and we know about insurgents in uh, Dagestan or in Gushetia, sort of clashes one, one every now and then, etc. But it all creates these grounds, social grounds for this unrest. So that was part of the government strategy. It ended. It had an end to that. It ended in around the year 2010-2011. And since then, uh, the government uh, spending uh, has become fairly stretched uh, as a result of these increases. So any further uh, increases in public wages or public uh, pensions uh, would automatically lead to significant disbalance in, in the budget, growing deficit, the need to increase the debt with all the uh, consequences. Mm. So Putin, uh, who was uh, and is a very strong supporter of, of the view that Russia should have a balanced budget and should have res special reserves in order to offset any negatives that could come from volatility in commodity prices. Which has worked extremely well. It us. worked and, and he is very much in favor of that. So when he talks about the possibility for growth of incomes, uh, future growth of incomes, he, he didn't say specifically in his State of the Nation address, but he said specifically about that few times in the past. He said, basically, uh, addressing a crowd uh, that um, if you want to get higher wages going forward, you should work uh, more efficiently. You should work harder to get uh, more pay. So basically, his view is that uh, you know any f future increases in incomes would be linked to the growth of of, of productivity. Productivity. Not that, that's another Kudrin idea, isn't it? It is definitely. It is the, the uh, another Kudrin idea. It is Putin's view. Moreover, if you look from another perspective to what he said, we're now sort of at, at the end of the electoral campaign. Uh, the electoral campaign seems to have a very clear uh, ending to that, uh, that Putin is going to win. But nevertheless, one could expect that at least during electoral campaign, uh, the government could be more inclined to release funding in terms of salary increases or whatever, just to uh, support or to buy some 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 votes. Uh, but you're saying it's deeper than that—that that they actually have a, a long-term strategy. They, they did not. 
there were reports that in certain in cases in certain regions in Russia, some medical uh, workers, some uh, education workers, you know, even higher education workers did get some additional uh, payouts, uh, but it was not national, and it was not uh, uh, across the board. 20, 10, 15 percent increase in salaries. In many cases, it was just one-off payment. Mm. Uh, mostly related to perhaps some additional funding that that particular region or that particular uh, institution got. Uh, it has a clear relation to, to the political cycle, but what is important here is that the government uh, did not uh, move on further to support across the board 10% or 15% increase. It is highly unlikely that the government post-elections would actually deliver on uh, salary increases. If they had plan and ability to do so, they would definitely do that ahead of elections, not post-elections. Which means that post-elections were likely to see a continuation of this quite stringent uh, fiscal policy mm. rather than uh, some uh, alterations to that. Moreover, uh, the big uh, perhaps uh, intrigue about this Putin statement and everyone said about that was that he concentrated on the good things of his future program. We want to have better education, better health care, we want to have higher living standards, etc. But he didn't say how these goals could be reached, what is the source of funding. Mm. He didn't say a word. And obviously, if you want to release more funds for educational health care, these funds should come from somewhere, whether it's a new public debt, whether it's a, a reshuffle in the budget spending, cuts to certain areas, whether it's actually another way we've seen uh, in the past few years is through cutting the labor force in that particular sector, mm -hmm. like releasing some educational or healthcare workers, uh, retaining the same salary fund and redistributing that through salary hikes to those who are still remaining employed. Mm -hmm. Then technically you would increase the average wage of a medical worker, but at the expense of high productivity and low mm -hmm. employment. Mm -hmm. This is also a possibility. He did not specify. Uh, my view is that the government is likely to take a fairly uh, uh, unpopular uh, uh, sort of uh, position on, on how this big goals would be funded. That would increase, uh, that would lead to perhaps to an increase in the retirement age, which seems to be almost a done deal. Uh, that could lead to perhaps an increase in uh, income taxation, whether it's retaining the flat income tax rate, but perhaps moving it from 13 to 15 or 16 percent, mm. or perhaps introducing some a mild uh, progressive tax rate, 10 to 20 percent mm. or something like I don't know, I don't have a clue. There were various mm. options floating around. My view is that the government has not yet decided, or if it has decided, it actually keeps... It's not uh, saying. It's not saying. Uh, there is a possibility that uh, the government could uh, scrutinize its uh, the release of social benefits, uh, including subsid de facto subsid uh, subsidization of uh, communal tariffs, mm -hmm. electricity, gas. So they could stick to subsidized tariffs for a certain amount of consumption per month, and uh, if you consume more, you pay sort mm -hmm. of free rate, which would be much higher. 
they could actually lead, uh, decide to scrutinize the payment of uh, social benefits uh, because they're, uh, you know, if you have three kids and you earn one million dollars, you still receive benefits mm. uh, and if you and the same benefit as, the, as those who earn you know whatever 10,000 rubles a month mm. so uh, there could be income test, t- tests involved uh, in many areas including that one there could be dismantling of the still existent uh, system Soviet system of early pensions like education workers and you know, school teachers get an early pension they can go on pension at 50 years of age mm. there is no health risk to their profession or whatever so they could actually start uh, increasing age for this sort of early pensions and that would release another pressure from the budget so there are many ways but what I mean here to say is that in many aspects all these measures if they are implemented they will put additional pressure on, on income on incomes of the population per capita average incomes mm. so my view is that post elections there is high probability that the consumption in Russia as a driver behind growth is not going to be growing that 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 significantly. It's not going to be like it was in the boom years. No, in, it, the, at, in the boom years, it was driven by a specific factor: government actually significantly increasing, you know, uh, incomes in the public sector, which created which opportunities in the regions, uh, led to expansion of the banks of retailers into the regions, which were previously, you might remember, 10, 15 years ago, yeah. no one wanted to move in the regions; they were too depressed. Yeah. There was no demand. And then suddenly demand started to appear. People started to get better wages. They could afford to take uh, bank loans. They could afford to buy new cars. They could afford to take mortgages. You know, the bank services moved in, everything sort of. It was the driver. The government has no capability or intention to do that uh, in one-off significant increase in, in, in salaries. If it's not happened, if it's not happening and the government demands higher productivity, it's a much longer perhaps proper way to do that but that means that for the transition period of few years before the economy starts to pick up and then we can expect sort of wages to start to pick up due to the growth in the economy and perhaps growing demand for labor then at certain stage that could could start to improve but in the in the next perhaps one to two years i express I, i expect the consumer segment to remain significantly under pressure mm. in russia On that note, Vladimir, thank you very much for taking yeah. the time. It's yeah. extremely interesting. Yeah.